Welcome to another session with the Market Dominance Guys, a program exploring all the high-stakes speed bumps and off-ramps of driving to the top of your market with our host, Chris Beal from Connect and Sell and Corey Frank from Branch 49. You're no doubt familiar with the buyer's journey, but what do you know about the seller's journey? Dan McLean, Sales Director at Connect and Sell and today's guest on Market Dominance Guys shares his personal journey as a salesperson with our host Chris Beal in this first of a two-part conversation. Starting at the beginning of his career, Dan tells the story of how he got into sales straight out of college, what his early selling experiences were like, and how he cold-called his way to where he is today. Most memorable for him was his first experience using Connect and Sell Lightning, the cold calling tool that boosts the number of conversations a salesperson can have with prospects. Pushing that go button and being served one conversation after another changed his life and led to his current job selling lightning at Connect and Sell. Helping other salespeople discover this tool is now Dan's mission. Listen in as Dan and Chris remember the details of their first meeting. In today's Market Dominance Guys episode, the seller has a journey too. Hey, Market Dominance folks, it's Chris Beal, and I am here without Corey Frank, which is a bit of a shock because I lean on Corey pretty hard. Hmm. He always comes up with the cool questions, and he's got the literary references, and he's got a tie on, which is nice. Oh. You don't see one on me. I know, Dan, I have, have one. And instead, I'm here today, not instead, but normally we'd have Corey, but now I'm all by myself as a host, except I've got Dan McLean. Dan McLean, among many other things that he does, including things involving surfboards and riding vehicles across sandy terrain that doesn't look safe at all to me, and shooting the occasional wild boar and eating them and growing tomatoes in a way that I've never seen another human being grow tomatoes, including naming his tomato plants appropriately. So Dan is also somebody who works for Connect and Sell. He sells for Connect and Sell. I don't know if he properly sells. He'll describe what it's actually like, I'm sure. But Dan, welcome to Market Dominance, guys. Thanks for having me. And I'll have everyone, this is my very first podcast. Oh my God. I'm excited. No wonder you're wearing white. You're a podcast virgin. That's right. Absolutely. Matches my my hair too. And notice that Dan has a flight school shirt on. I got a flight school shirt on. We are as twinsy as can be right now. So Dan, just a little background. How did you fall into the world of sales and especially sales that involved anything resembling software? Is this like your dream when you were a child? Is it something that you got hit in the head once and I know you surf, and sometimes you could hit your head surfing, I bet. What happened? Well, growing up, I always knew I was going to be in sales. My father was in sales, but it was different back then. He was in industrial sales, and he covered Minnesota, Wisconsin, Iowa, kind of the Midwest belt, and he would drive his car around. He had an expense account, and that seemed kind of cool. And I'd hear him on the phone every once in a while, and I thought, that's what I want to do. And then I started off, well, actually then college, I had to put myself through and I learned very quickly that the traditional jobs that one can get when you're in college aren't enough to pay for college, even way back in the late 80s, early 90s. 
And so I had to be creative. And I actually started a couple of my own small little companies, a volleyball business where we taught leagues and lessons and ran tournaments, and also a valet car parking business at a very cool restaurant in Minneapolis called J.D. Hoyt's. And doing that, I kind of learned some entrepreneurial things. And then towards the tail end of college, a friend of mine had a sister who married an entrepreneur that ran a company called Skyline Displays. They make trade show exhibits. And he saw what I was doing and he thought, I'd like to hire this guy and send him out to California to do what they called R&D sales. Because what they used to do is they'd come up with something new, they'd release it to the field before it was ready. And then it was very expensive to make a change because it was on such a grand scale. So they thought, why don't we just have one person go try to sell some new stuff? And I just kind of fell into it. I moved out to California pretty much the day after I graduated from college. And that was a very interesting move. December 5th, 1995, very cold Minnesota day. I drove out to Newport Beach and it was one of the happiest days of my life. (laughs) That's what they call a selling point. (laughs) Absolutely. And when I went out there on the recruiting trip, they were very smart. They flew me into the Orange County Airport. And when you walk out of the Orange County Airport, you see green grass and palm trees. So I told myself, I hope it's a good job because I'm taking it. And I think like most people in sales, young, started off, struggled, and it took me a while to hit my stride to kind of figure out what I wanted to do. And then I had a roommate who was a recruiter. He goes, hey, you're in sales, but you're kind of struggling. I got this customer that's looking for sales, and they're a software company. Do you know anything about software? I said, no, but it paid more money, so I took that job. (laughs) And then I was in software for 10, 15 years. And then my company did a connect and sell test drive. I was one of the test subjects using the weapon. And it was interesting. I didn't know what I was getting into. And when you use connect and sell, turn it on, you hit that green go button. Well, when it was time to hit that green go button, president of the company standing here, the VP of sales is standing here. These are big verbose gentlemen. They're like, turn it on. All of a sudden, my hand started shaking, my brain went blank, and I hit the go button. And the first conversation came fast, 30, 40 seconds. I don't know what I said. It wasn't intelligent or legible. The person hung up. (laughs) They yelled, do it again, (laughs) did it again. The second conversation came fast, and it was, hey, you know, yeah, call me next week. I think I want to talk to you. And the third one, guy picks up the phone. I schedule a demo, a meeting boss and the president, leave me alone. Rest of the day, I think I scheduled two more meetings on my very first day and it was awesome. And then I used almost every day, this was back in the days when people traveled, I was covering 10 states and I was an account executive, didn't do a whole bunch of prospecting, but I used it very specifically to call my overdue task list in Salesforce. And it worked so incredibly well for me because I was calling the CIO or the VP of IT of a billion dollar company that ran SAP. And I was selling very expensive software to bolt onto that to make it run better, faster, stronger, and used it for two or three years. And got to the point where every time I turned it on, a little voice inside my head would tell me, Dan, you should go sell Connect and Sell. <laughs> so I got to know you, called up you. I think I sent you some referrals, tried to get in somehow. I told you I wanted to join the team. We had a couple of conversations over a couple of months and you introduced me to John T. McLaren, our SVP of sales, went up and met him and been a happy member of the team now for five, almost six years. There might be more information than you're asking for, but that's how I got into sales from then up until now. 
Wow, that's really good. Thank you. That was really tight. Yeah, I remember talking to you. I remember that call when you called me. I was walking down Santa Cruz Avenue, Los Gatos, mm. California. I was just about to go to the Great Bear coffee shop and get myself. It was an early afternoon latte. And I think we talked for quite a while. I think we talked for quite a while, actually. And I was impressed that you would call me and that you actually used Connect and Sell. And so I was pretty sure that you were going to do something here one way or another. You know, it is kind of funny how many of our really, really top people in the company are former Connect and Sell customers and users. And so James Townsend used to use Connect and Sell, and he also ran part of a company called Halogen and did great things there. Donnie Crawford, I was just talking to Donnie as our chief flight instructor. He used to go in and do job interviews when he was a rep, and he'd take them all the way through, and they'd make him an offer, and he'd go, oh, by the way, I'm not working for you unless you get me Connect and Sell. That was his thing. And, you know, Donnie pretty well, it's kind of hard to imagine him doing something like that. But yeah, it's interesting. He, he was consistent <laughs> on it. It's true. A lot of people, John T. McLaren was our SVP of sales and marketing. Everybody thinks that John T. joined the company because his dad is the exec chairman, was the CEO back in the day. But in fact, that's not why at all. John T. built his first company and on top of Connect and Sell and you sold it and did pretty well, right? His, his Tesla looks better than our Subaru, I guess. Yeah, and wasn't his yeah. use case a little bit different? Was he the CEO of the company or the chief something? And he, he was. was using it to find business, but also to gauge the market interest in what he had? Yeah, yeah. It's interesting to me, you said your first sales job where you, you had a real sales job, it's like, go do it, was actually a market exploration job. And that's a pretty unusual sales job, especially for somebody who's kind of new to it. Think about it. It's like, why am I going to trust this new guy to go off and bring me a signal back from the market? Somebody had a lot of faith in you. This job right now is kind of like that though, right? There's something about connect and sell. You always feel like you're selling something new. Do you have any idea why that is? I mean, it's kind of funny, right? Because I can describe it. I was talking to a potential investor today and I can describe it in like two sentences and they get it. It's really hard to get business people on the phone in order to explore business to business, right? It's just hard. Connect and Sell lets you do that by pushing a button and waiting a few minutes talking to somebody. That's it, that's what it does. And yeah, and yeah, <laughs> right? It's what is the factor that you see? Because this, this is about market dominance, right? And so we're always talking about, Okay, you can use a human voice to dominate a market. You go right into somebody's midbrain, right in through their ear. Email gets blocked by all sorts of things. It doesn't get to you and spam. It sits there and annoys you. If you open it, you don't read it very much, but it's only got 500 bits of information in it or 5,000 bits to start with. Here you are inside of somebody's head. You know, when you sit at a restaurant and it's quiet and you're trying to focus on something, I don't know, you're reading your email or whatever, and the person next to you is chewing in a way that's just horrible, it's just obnoxious, right? You can't turn that off. We'll be back in a moment after a quick break. Connect and Sell. Welcome to the end of dialing as you know it. Connect and Sell's patented technology loads your best sales folks up with eight to 10 times more live qualified conversations every day. And when we say qualified, we're talking about really qualified, like knowing what kind of cheese they like on their impossible Whopper kind of qualified. Learn more at connectandsell.com. And we're back. 
with Corey and Chris. You can't turn You can't make yourself not hear it. You're stuck, right? So when you cold call somebody, cold conversation them, you're inside their brain, just like that chewing, but you better be doing a better job of whatever. Yeah. Some people get it. Some people don't. What is it that you see that divides the sheep from the goats, or as we say, the pigs from the weasels? That's interesting. And I was on a very interesting coach, blitz and coach session with a customer today. And we were listening. I think the one really huge thing is just the confidence in the voice. Am I talking to someone right out of college that's reading whatever they're saying off this piece of paper? Or do they sound like a peer that I may want to engage with? We had one of the reps and we said, hey, it sounds like you're reading off the script and you have to stress the word I believe and sound like an expert. Very next call, we're listening. He goes, I believe he really stressed it, like overstressed it. And you could tell he got the person's attention. And he wasn't smooth, but he at least had added confidence to his pitch. Schedule the uh, meeting. That's fascinating. So how did that happen with you? I mean, the first time you pushed the button, you got a president standing over one shoulder. You got a vice president standing over the other. They're yelling at you like a, it's like having Big Matt Forbes yell at you and tell you to hit the button, right? Which you yeah, used to yeah. do. These were, these were intimidating guys. <laughs> so you hit the button and it was confusing at first. When in that process, you got a couple of meetings that day. Did you get comfortable on the first day of ambushing people? Absolutely. I got comfortable after the, actually after the second conversation where the guy said, hey, busy, call me next week. Because I knew he was interested. I knew he want, actually wanted to talk to me. The challenge was it was a CIO of a billion dollar company. And it was that moment where I was like, Internally, I think I switched gears. And then I had that third conversation. I didn't feel nervous anymore. I felt confident. And then it was just a natural conversation where I didn't sound like some young person that doesn't know what they're doing. So they have to read something off a piece of paper. I sounded like a peer that maybe he actually wanted to engage with. And he had also expressed interest in what we did. The company was Suncor Energy. It was the CIO. And they had said, yeah, we want to put Redwood Software, the company I work for, we want to put them as a line item on a $300 million process improvement project. So in the SAP space, we were on the bill of materials. We were one line item. Wow. Yeah. And after that third call, I actually put my feet up on the desk and I realized that Connect and Sell was doing the worst part of my day. Salesforce, dial, voicemail. Reschedule, Salesforce, dial, talk to that mean gatekeeper, voicemail. <laughs> doing all that for me. Yeah. It's warm, a warm call. So you got it, you got it like that, and now you sell it. So you get to watch people getting it or not getting it. And so you pointed out somebody sounds like they're reading because they are reading or they haven't been coached to use their voice appropriately. Yeah. And they can get a little bit stuck. Do you have a point of view about like the order in which things ought to happen? Like what we do today is we'll hold a test drive and a test drive for those of you listening to this, don't know what it is. It's a full day of production with Connect and Sell. People have made, I, Tony Safoyan, who was over at CEO over at SADA. Yeah, I was on his podcast. I asked him, didn't you guys make some money during that test drive at Connect and Sell? And he laughed and Billy Franz is his VP of inside sales at the time said something along the lines of, you know, Chris, we made tens of millions of dollars of pipeline that day. 
That was in three hours, right? So you would kind of think, well, okay, no brainer, right? No brainer. But that's how we sell. And it works pretty well. But sometimes people won't even, they won't even listen to you to take a test drive, right? That's true. You have, have you broken that down in your mind as to why, I shouldn't say it's irrational, but we offer test drives for free. The test drive is always educational. It's always fun. I've never had one that wasn't fun. I've you know, I've been associated with God knows how many of these, 1,800 of them or something like that. They're always fun. So you got something that's fun. Your reps are going to like it. It's educational. It's going to reveal the truth about what they're saying. Oh, mm-hmm. my God. That'll be interesting. And yet folks often go, yeah, I don't know about that. I want to take that test drive. What, what do you think is going on inside those people? What do you do about it? If anything, this is something that has baffled me that I've been pondering for years. I have no idea. And it's such an interesting thought because when I came and joined the Connect and Sell team, I really thought it would be as easy as, hey, you're a VP of sales. You want your people talking to 10 times more people? Let's do a free test drive. Free. <laughs> I, I really thought it was that easy. And then, you know, when I flew up and met with you and with John T, we went out for sushi it was Big Matt Forbes and Sean McLaren. Sean McLaren left, and then that's uh, just me and Matt Forbes. And he was like, hey, listen, hey, listen, buddy, this job is not easy. It's really hard. And I thought, nah. <laughs> you really impressed upon me how hard it would be. And then, well, actually, a day before my official start date, I came up to that. There was a, an AAISP trade show in Dallas. And I'm thinking to myself, I know how to use connect and sell. I don't really understand this whole breakthrough framework we have, but I had it printed out. And I'm thinking, I better show Chris and John T that I'm not afraid and I better get on and use and I better do it in front of them. That was a little bit scary, but I think I've kind of veered from your question. I don't know the answer to that question. Uh, I don't either. (laughs) I don't either. I always think it's like somebody says, okay, so here's the deal. Now, mind you, it's only going to be one day, but we're going to fly you and the kids to Disney World and you're going to get to spend a whole day at Disney World and you're going to get to have nice meals at the restaurants and it's going to all be nice. Unfortunately, the sad part is only one day and you're going to have to fly home, but at least you'll know what Disney World's like. You'll know whether you, you and the kids like it, right? Yeah. And I bet if you made that offer to some folks, they go, I don't know about that. I mean, what? That doesn't sound quite right to me. I don't know what it is, though, but it's a very similar offer, I think. There's got to be something hiding in there that neither you nor I have figured out yet. I have a bit of a thesis. It's got two parts. One is the too good to be true thing. That's that's too good to be true. Well, in a way, rationally, what does it matter? But I don't want to waste my time. But I think the other thing is, it kind of sounds like something that could be a bit of exposure for you if you're a sales yeah. leader. And, and a, a little bit of exposure can go a long ways if you're not comfortable with it and a long ways in a negative direction. And that may well be, and that kind of speaks to market dominance. We talk about on this show, the only safe position to be in a market is a dominant position. Otherwise, Someone else, by definition, is in the dominant position. And if they're in the dominant position, then you're working at their discretion. They can choose whether you live or die. The dominant player can always come undercut you on price, overspend you, or 
on whatever, outraise you on capital, attract better talent, have a snowball effect from better customers who then are willing to reference other customers, you name it. There's a book called The Gorilla Game that's about this very thing. Mm. As Jeffrey Moore wrote it back after he wrote Crossing the Chasm, and The Gorilla Game basically says this. In innovation anyway, in tech especially, all the chips go to the dominant player. The dominant player rakes in 90 plus percent of all the profits that will ever be achieved in that category. They take them all and everybody else kind of serves them, whether they know it or not. They can think they're competing, but they don't know. Sometimes I wonder whether folks, I I don't say want it or not, but whether it's an uncomfortable idea trying to go after that dominant position rather than well, at least this is the devil I know, and I'm kind of getting along. Why rock the boat, right? So why throw the grenade down, the, roll it down the hall and see what happens? Do you ever feel that, or is that, am I just kind of like in a crazy place here? Well, I always try to look at things in the sim- most simple manner. And when I think about that, I think, and what is the average tenure now of a VPSL? Is it 11 months? Is that still... Well, it's one point, it's, it's 17 months end to end. So if you're selling to them, you're catching them eight and a half months from their departure on average. Yeah, I think if, well, I think if you catch them right in the middle, they're in a good spot. But if they're too new, they're too new. They're just, they're over their head swimming. Or if they've been there and they know they're on their way out, maybe there's apathy or maybe they're concentrating on where are they going to land next. It's certainly interesting, and it's also interesting, the VP of sales today is certainly not the VP of sales even four or five years ago. Mm. How's that? From what I see, they're not in control of uh, as much budget. They just don't have as much decision-making authority. I'm seeing marketing departments have more, or just the CEO being more involved in those decisions. Got it. Well, we've always said, I've always said here, one of the challenges, and this is a market dominance challenge people got to think about is marketing has budget for money. Sales has budget for heads. Yeah. That's the tradition. And so sales leaders, their first order of execution is to make sure they got enough heads for next year. That's your number one job, right? It's your capital source. You, yeah. So if you're an entrepreneur, you raise money in order to have enough capital to go to market and spend what you've got to spend to get the market you want, and then also have a buffer against the unknown. And I think the way a head of VP of sales might think about things is, hey, so it's November. Uh, My big problem is making sure I don't have 62 people, but that I've got 73 people, because that's going to be my buffer. And now when we're assigning quota and we assign straight up, when some things happen, say my top person walks out on day one of the fiscal And now I'm going to face it because I don't think if everybody really knows this, but you're going to pay about one times quota to replace your top rep if they walk out on the first day of the fiscal. If you do the math, it's going to be about their whole quota. A million dollar rep is going to cost you a million dollars. Wow, that's interesting. Helen and I were talking about it. She was talking about a hundred million dollar rep. Imagine them leaving on the first day of the fiscal. Wow. It happens, right? I mean, these are, these are big, big numbers that are crawling yeah, around. That, here. that can be devastating. And I can't tell you how many times in the last six months I've heard, it's really easy to go hire someone. It's really hard to go buy Connect and Sell. Mm-hmm. 
Selling a big idea to a skeptical customer, investor, or partner is one of the hardest jobs in business. So when it's time to really go big, you need to use an uncommon methodology to gain attention, frame your thoughts, and employ a successful sequencing that is fresh enough to convince others that your ideas will truly change their world. From crafting just the right cold call screenplays to curating and mapping the ideal call list for your entire TAM, Branch 49's modern and innovative sales toolbox offers a guiding hand to ambitious organizations in their quest to reach market dominance. Learn more at branch49.com. Never miss an episode. Go to any of your favorite podcast venues and search for Market Dominance Guys or go to marketdominanceguys.com and subscribe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.